0: Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy.
1: And thanks for joining us for another edition of Winning Ponies. Hope to bring you a slew of winners and some good information. I've got some great guests. Uh, My first guest is Lenny Shulman. He's been on the show before as a handicapper. Uh, You may know uh, Lenny from his his writing and his work with the Blood Horse as the features editor. He was also the author of Ride of Their Lives, a great book about jockeys that came out about 10 years ago. Really a a great pick-em-up, put-em-down book with a chapter on some of the top riders you've been playing over the years. And then, of course, he has the um, little meeting with Steve. Every other week, that is absolutely hilarious. It's a video report on The Blood Horse called And They're Off. So uh, Lenny Shulman's going to be on, but not as a handicapper, uh, but because he's just written his first novel called Long Way From Home. And I can tell you this, it is a fantastic book. Uh it, you'll laugh out loud, uh but there's a great mystery, intrigue, even a, a little love interest in there and uh the colorful characters. I, I, I think Lenny is the reincarnation of Damon Runyon. So, uh we'll be talking to Lenny, not about handicapping the horses, but about uh the creation of his very first novel. And uh he had, Led an interesting life leading up to it. Uh, that I can tell you. Our handicapper, well this is a guy that nails the tracks of Kentucky every time I pick up the daily racing form. It's Byron King. He's a native of Louisville, Kentucky. He is their Kentucky handicapper and a columnist for the daily racing form. We've had him on uh, numerous occasions. And uh, we're going to focus in on uh, two of the top races uh, in Kentucky this week, both of them with nice points as far as the Oaks and the Derby. Uh, the Pure Romance Bourbonette Oaks is going to be run at a mile and uh, brought together a very uh, interesting, evenly matched bunch. Of course, uh, Turfway Park does have polytracks, so some prefer it and some are coming in and trying it. And then... Um, uh, the 11th race is uh, this year called the Horseshoe Casino Cincinnati Racing Spiral Stakes, a race that's had many sponsors over the years, going a mile and an eighth, and that is a grade three, as is the, the Bourbonette. And uh, we're going to take a trip out to Sunland Park for the Sunland Derby, uh, a race that brought horses in from all over the place and even jockeys from all over the place. So uh, it'll be interesting to break those down with uh, Byron King uh, later in the show. Uh, before we start things, I want to uh, give a shout-out to uh, my uh, Dayton Flyers, who uh, beat the Ohio State University today in uh, one of the earlier games of the tournament. So congratulations to the Flyers. Now they get the chance to uh, play against Lenny Shulman's College, Syracuse University on Saturday. All right, let's get in uh, to, uh, to the meat of the show right now. And uh, starting out, of course, uh, we all know how dangerous uh, this game can be. And uh, jockey Anna Van Rosen was severely injured uh, last week. It was actually after the race when she was uh, pulling up. Um, what was kind of cool about what came out of it was Rodolfo, Um, Arvizu, who was riding behind her, saw the accident, rushed, and released her foot that was caught up in the stirrup. Uh, For his actions, he's going to receive the Arizona HBPA Humanitarian Award um, that uh, is coming up. And uh, we we, we send the best out uh, to her, and there's going to be some benefits. Uh, There's also going to be uh, you can make donations uh, to Turf Paradise. Um Becky Huff, which is B Huff at turfparadise.net, is setting things up if you want to get a hold of her. So um what was uh very cool thing uh, that uh, Gary Stevens and Mike Smith uh visited uh, Van Rosen. Uh she was currently ranked 3rd in the jockey standings at Turf Paradise and uh the St- Stevens and Smith said that they had a nice visit with her. She's doing well under the circumstances. She's tough. They got a chance to meet uh, her father. They're going to also meet with the Jockey Colony at Turf Paradise. Um, I think it's very uh, cool that those guys would go out of their way to, to meet with, uh, with Von Rosen. I know that, uh, this week, the Jockey's Guild released a statement outlining the need for at least a million-dollar insurance minimum for riders in the case of on-track accidents uh, like hers. And uh, Turf Paradise apparently is one of the ten tracks that carries less than a million. So uh, the fundraisers may uh, come in handy for uh, Von Rosen, who did suffer spinal damage when her horse went down. Again, uh, bhoff, H-U-F-F, at turfparadise.net. We'll give you all the information. Well, remember uh, Smarty Jones and how it put the spotlight on Pennsylvania rider Stuart Elliott, and uh, looks like uh, Elliott has decided to make a career move. Physically, he's going to be moving his tack to Kentucky. He's now 49 years old. I know that he's going to be in the Cincinnati area this week. Uh, has always been a standout uh, at uh, former philadelphia park that we now call parks uh he's actually the winningest rider in the history of that track but um he does say that uh, he's going to move his tack he will be going back and forth a little bit between kentucky and some commitments that he had at parks uh but look for Stuart elliott to be riding in kentucky uh he's going to start out here soon in the keeneland season and uh retired rider nelson arroyo arroyo excuse me um who used to have Victor LeBron and Gabriel Sayes and his brother, Norberto Arroyo Jr., will have Stuart Elliott's book. And Stuart said his family's from Kentucky. They're going to move there eventually. Uh, so um, they thought, well, at this point in his career, it would be a good time to go there. So uh, uh, welcome to Kentucky, Elliott Stewart. And let's see, the uh, the top thoroughbred poll at the NTRA including older horses here. We start to uh, just give you the top five. No big surprise. Uh, game on dude is uh, leads the whole field uh, after the big cap uh, two weeks ago. Will take charge is second. Leah third. Wise Dan is fourth. And Mucho Macho Man currently listed as fifth. Now let's take a look at the three-year-olds as we're closing in. Only, I think, seven weeks away from the Kentucky Derby. And uh, leading the field is Cairo Prince. Hope to see him in the Florida Derby soon. Uh, then the horse that's really jumped up and looks good, California Chrome. Uh We're waiting for the return of Candy Boy. And then you've got the, the New York-bred Samorat, who's put in some very tough races. Uh, then we're looking at Taperture and Opportunity, a horse we will be talking about a little later in the show. So those are the top three-year-olds in the NTRA poll. A lot of you guys like the uh, the uh, tours of online contests. There's a free national handicapping tour on contest on Saturday. Well, they say free, but uh, if you go to NTRA.com, you'll find out that in order to get into these free tournaments, uh, you need to be a member. So uh, Saturdays, online challenge is the first of five, so for $50, which you're getting into five free uh, national handicapping uh, tournaments, and uh there'll be 20 seats that'll go to the national championship. So uh you'll be playing $2 win in place uh show win in place wagers on 10 different races uh that they will uh, require you to, to to bet. But uh if you do win this contest and win the big contest, uh there's a money waiting for you there. You'll be eligible for a $2 million bonus should uh, he or she win. Uh, the January tournament. So go to uh, ntra. dot com and you can find out more about it if you like to be an online tournament player. Uh, something that uh, we o- always suspect and don't like to read about is uh, when states that have casinos all of a sudden start slicing away the slot machine revenue, and it looks like that's going to happen in West Virginia. Uh, the uh, two houses of the state legislature approved a move to uh, help fit their budget gap as part of their uh, their budget, and it looks like uh, the state's thoroughbred and greyhound industries are going to lose about $21 million in annual funding. I guess that's why it's uh, very important that uh, when you do uh, write these laws or you do get uh, Racino money that makes sure you lock it in, and they can't just all of a sudden say, well, why should all this money go to racing when it can go to us. Well, let's take a look now at last week's results. Uh, we uh, spent our time i want to thank uh, mary rampolini from the daily racing Forum. we went to oaklawn park a very exciting race that uh, could have implications for the kentucky derby was the rebel and man if you like a donny brook you would like this race when they hit the eighth pole there was form across the track now the track came up wet and nobody was near the rail at all and ride right on curling, seemed to come out uh, just a little bit uh in into uh Tapiture who pinched Strong Mandate um and then um and then Hop- opportunity written by Mike Smith was making a really solid solid move well all of a sudden when Strong Mandate kind of got pinched out of a little bit uh Tapiture who looked like he was going to make a winning move with Ricardo Santana in the saddle came out and and he and opportunity started Exchanging bumps. Now, again, right on Curlin, just kept it tight. So between them, and again, strong mandate kind of got pinched back a little bit there. Uh, they pretty much bumped each other. And I got a feeling, you know, that it went up. Uh, there was a uh, jockey's uh, objections. There was stewards inquiry, but it looked like they were trading bumps. It was like no one was actually, uh, the aggressor. It was just Tapature was trying to find a hole that wasn't there, but opportunity on the outside. Mike Smith kept them in a pretty straight path, even though he did get bumped, and Opportunity uh, hops way up on the Derby point standings. Uh, he's only five behind Samurat on the leaderboard for the Kentucky Derby. So uh, looks like uh, no surprise. Bob Baffert's got another hot one going into the Kentucky Derby. We'll see if he takes Opportunity with Opportunity, and then we went to uh, the Razorback handicap. Uh, the winner here was uh, Golden Lad. He rated in second, took over at the quarter pole, and won wrapped up with Jose Lescano. Uh, again, the race at Oaklawn Park. Golden Lad shipping in from Gulfstream from the powerful stable of Todd Pletcher. Uh, in the uh, second spot was. Uh, Majestic City, that was Mary Rampolini's pick. And the third spot was Tap Town. And that was a close one for second and third. And the uh final race we handicapped at Oaklawn Park, uh the Azeri, no doubt about this from go to woe. Uh Joel Rosario just gave a beautiful paced ride on close hatches, uh, got her out in front, moved her off the rail a little bit, was patiently handled, uh, was challenged on several occasions. Um, a Magic Union came at her. Uh, don't tell Sophia. But uh, there was no doubt about it, once he went to riding on close hatches, it wasn't even close. This one, of course, uh, out of the Bill Mott barn. She was second to beholder last year in the Breeders' Cup Distaff. Well, that pretty much wraps up the top racing from uh, last week and some of the top stories of this week. And uh, one of the best stories of the month is the fact that Lenny Shulman has finally written a novel long way from home, and he's going to be up next. You're listening to Winning Ponies.
0: to the pros we, we cover, everything. cover everything let your voice be heard voice america sports
2: and they're off
0: what can't make it to the track
1: All right, and with me now is Lenny Shulman. As I said, uh, we've had Lenny on the show in the past to do a little bit of handicapping, but now we're going to talk about his next uh, venture, which is the first novel he's written long way from home. Uh, Lenny, of course, uh, he's worked with the Blood Horse uh, since 2000. Uh, He wrote another book that I absolutely loved called Ride of Their Lives about the the top jockeys at the time, and uh, you'll see him with uh, Steve Haskin at uh, bloodhorse.com, and they're off, so you'll really... Uh, You can get a a feel for who Lenny is and and his sense of humor uh, at the Blood Horse uh, website. And, uh, Lenny, before we get on to to the interview talking about your novel, um, our two alma maters uh, both won in the NCAA today and are going to square off against each other on Saturday. It's going to be your Syracuse Orangeman against my Dayton
3: Flyers, so off air we'll have to make a little side bat wow that's that's exciting that, that's good stuff you know and i i, I get i'm not going to win the billion dollars john so uh, don't, don't hit me up for lunch money
1: <laughs> well, I, I think uh, uh, the the Flyers uh, beating uh, the Buckeyes uh, ruined a billion dollars for a lot of people. But it was a great game; they won by a point. I'm happy for my boys. But as of course Good as you us. know, I grew up in Syracuse, so uh, I'm kind of I have mixed emotions about the game. Now, uh, you you did go to to Syracuse University in journalism, and uh, it's a very very well respected school. I think probably particularly after you left it. Um, but, uh, from there, uh, you got your very no, It got
3: respectable after I left did John? Did it,
1: John. Did it take you a while to get that? I was hoping you didn't hang up on me. <laughs>
3: <laughs> um, so,
1: uh, uh, you're, you're, you're. Story, uh, and there, there will be a story about you coming out in Tops Magazine uh, down in Lexington soon. Um, your story is an interesting one. I mean, um, you are uh, a novel individual who's just written a novel, but uh, you. you... Took kind of a uh, strange path, uh, very much like the central figure Dan Henry in your book as far as uh, getting to the bluegrass. Uh, did, do you want to paint the picture for our listeners a little bit where you you, you went from... Uh, yeah. The yeah, well, it, it's, it's, life is so
3: much more interesting when it doesn't go in straight lines, you know, with, which it never does anyway, but... Uh, yeah I did go to journalism school up in Syracuse, which was a pooh bah uh, thing at the time, and I guess still is uh, actually uh, but I started a newspaper in Tucson, Arizona after that a a weekly newspaper, and that was a just a great thing and and I love doing that but uh you know we were living on a prayer as the song goes and uh you know the church got closed at some point and uh so LA was the next destination you know show business and all that and uh you know i had a pretty checkered career out there but uh it was okay you know it went from working at hustler to writing a children's show to you know writing for uh, the most famous x-rated uh, comedian of the day and then you know, back to sports, and then... Well, uh, hold on, no, no, if so to the Midwest you to in Jaffer, and North North North. To what I
1: have on your bio is, you went from working for Larry Flint to working on a children's show. Yeah. Right. You know, you're lucky they didn't have Google
3: back in those days. You never would have got the job. <laughs> yeah, I had it all covered, you know, I just uh, fit in with all worlds.
1: Well, well, you did. Well, then again, you know, you ended up with, as you said, kind of an X-rated comedian, Andrew Dice Clay. But when we, when you were with Andrew Dice Clay, I mean, he was at, he was at the peak of his profession.
3: Yeah, it was a very exciting time. Uh, I got to meet Andrew just when he had gotten his first HBO uh, special. So we worked together on a couple of those, and you know, at that time, to get an HBO special for comedian was. You know, it's like appearing on Johnny Carson in another era or, you know, whatever the the biggest break you could possibly get was. So it was a real exciting time, and then it it just went through the roof from there, and Andrew, you know, became, you know, if not the only one of the very few comedians who could fill up arenas, you know, and play to 15 and 20,000 people, and that people don't understand just how phenomenal that is for one person to be able to do so uh yeah it was real exciting we uh spent a lot of time in vegas together had a lot of fun uh, doing that and uh met met like a lot of horse racing people I was in vegas too which uh, certainly uh got me more toward uh getting back into into the horse world so uh, it all it all goes around and connects uh, one way or the other
1: yeah just to uh, to go back a little bit i know uh, you you grew, you grew up uh uh not uh, far from uh, the Roosevelt Raceway, and you went, started going. Your first experiences that seemed to make an impression with you were uh, Belmont Park with your, with your dad and your uncle. And it seemed like after that uh, circuitous route that you took and all those years in uh, LA., I believe you said they can kind of chew you up and spit you out. Uh, you kind of found uh, the racetrack is the place to go and kind of find yourself again.
3: Yeah, it's really, uh, it's really great to be able to have a love and pick it back up. Uh, you know, Roosevelt Raceway back in the day was kind of the keenland of, of harness racing and, the, you know, to be able to kind of sneak out there with my high school buddies, you know, those, those are, those are life-shaping experiences. So uh, that was pretty strong. And then to have, you know, hang out with my father and uncle at the racetrack too. So it, it was in there. It was, it was definitely in me, uh, dormant. And then it uh, came back out again you know, with, uh, in LA when I saw AP Indy D- Run and, uh, just really enjoyed him and he became my favorite horse and it just, uh, led me back into horses, which, you know, I've always had this love for. So, uh, you know, it's been real good and led me to Kentucky, the horse capital of the world, as you know. And, uh, so now I get to see horses everywhere.
1: Well, you get to see them. You've done a great job at The Blood Horse. Before we move on to, to Long Way From Home, um, Ride of their lives, I just want to tell you, Lenny, I love that book. Um, and you seem to, to
3: relish in writing it. Yeah, that was, uh, you know, I kind of realized the start in my first few years of The Blood Horse that I'd written a lot of these uh, stories on jockeys, and they all were pretty fascinating stories. Because these guys, to a man, overcame really severe problems in their lives, uh, you know whether it was poverty or whether it was drug abuse or alcoholism or uh, you know violent tendencies, or you know you name it, you spin the wheel, and these guys you know probably each had three or four of them to to try to overcome, so there were great stories you know that these guys did overcome all this stuff and You know, rose to become, you know, the cream of the crop of uh, jockeys in America, which, you know, at that point was, uh, to me, a little bit of uh, the last golden age of it, you know, with guys like Jerry Bailey and Pat Day and Eddie Delahousie and Chris McCarron and Lafitte Pincai and, you know, some of the up-and-comers at that point, like DeSormo and Nakatani and... Chris Antley, who unfortunately had had passed by the time the book came out, but whom I, you know, did an interview with, which certainly will go down as one of the most memorable ones I'll ever do. Um, so I decided to put together these stories and kind of collect them all, uh, you know, into a book—the uh, ones I had done and, and others that I, I went out and did—and. Uh, you know, these guys were just incredibly honest as far as their past went and, uh, honest about uh, the depths that their lives had gotten to and, and how they, uh, rebounded and, you know, found redemption. And, uh, so they, they, they were really terrific stories. And then a lot of those guys kind of retired shortly after. So it became, you know, you know, maybe a bit of a record as to, you know, their careers. Well, it was wonderful. It was,
1: but it was more of uh, you know, the beautiful vignettes uh, of each writer. Even though you said each one had trying times. Now that's much different than writing a novel. Now, now you're now you're doing fiction. Uh, Was this something that percolated with you for several years and finally came out? Long way from home is the name of Lenny's book.
3: Yeah, I think, uh, you know, doing the, the horse racing stories for as long as I have, you know, which is uh, mostly non-fiction, <laughs> as non-fiction as you can make it. Um, you know, sometimes you have a good story to write. You know, when they, when those horses are coming down the the, the stretch in the derby, you're kind of wondering, well, who's going to win? You know, is a good story of the people I know. Are they talkative or are they not talkative? So, so you know when you're covering things like that, you're kind of at the mercy of uh, of what the result is. Um, you know you're going to get a better story if Ken Ramsey w- wins a race than uh, you know for a guy you have to use uh, dental equipment to, to pry a couple of syllables out of. So, <laughs> so with fiction, you, you know you're you're the one in control. You know you're the one to blame if it doesn't work. But you know you're the one who's responsible for the story. Uh, you get to stretch your imagination out a, a lot more uh... Create situations that you think your readers are going to uh, enjoy you know take them along with you and uh... so you don 't have to root for a good story you get to uh, hopefully create one so that uh, that that was, that was really uh, uh refreshing about it
1: well you you did create one, I have to admit. The way you describe the characters and you, 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 the, the sense of humor in here, I mean, I, I literally was left laughing out loud on many occasions re- reading your book. Uh, these had to come from personal experiences.
3: Well, uh, you know, you, you write about some things that you know and kind of repurpose them and put them in other places with other results and other, uh, you know, factors and then points along the way. But uh some of some of my childhood friends uh came along with me in this book, so uh that that's kinda good because they're you know, they're they're close to my heart and uh you know, I have a lot of fun. The uh the the main character is kind of a hard nosed writer reporter type but I uh, can definitely give as well as receive and uh you know, his best friend is uh kind of the sex addicted party animal, brilliant attorney. Uh, so So we get to have a lot of fun with them going back and forth, but uh yeah, the book 's a drama but but I would say every page I try to put some sort of humor in it because uh that 's what I love, and uh, that 's just the way my mind kind of kind of goes naturally so uh yeah, I was really glad that uh you know the humor came through. I appreciate that thanks
1: well it it, it did, but by no means is this book a comedy it 's just that. The colorful characters that you have—it uh, it, it, it paints a marvelous uh, reality. To let's face it, anybody that's worked at a racetrack knows that that they're out there, and uh, you know, not that these were all racetrack-based characters, uh, but you, you put a great personality uh, into all of your main characters. Um, and what's what's nice. Lenny, is I feel that when I read at the end of this book, and I'm not going to give anything away because I want people to buy A Long Way From Home, is that, uh, in my opinion, you left it open-ended where Dan Henry can become a character in another novel.
3: Yeah, he's kind of this guy who, uh, was kind of an unemployed writer when the story starts and, uh, you know, kind of becomes this really very good, uh, writer slash reporter, uh, who uncovers, uh, kind of a scandal at the Kentucky Derby. So yeah, in the realm of sports and the realm of reporting and, uh, you know, kind of funny business that goes on behind the scenes in sports, which I've, you know, been a little privy to, uh, there is some possibility to, to kind of move on and and the question really John is a, is an interesting one because I I'm playing around with it and you know do I keep horses as part of it or do I move the next one you know into another arena entirely so that that's something I'm struggling with because a lot of the people who know my writing you know know it know it from the horse world so
1: well all I know is with, with the uh Experiences that you've had in life, Lenny. I don't think you're going to have a problem. Maybe uh, skewing off to another subject if, if need be. But the subject at hand right now is how do people get their hands on Long Way from Home? And I understand that there's probably going to be a book signing somewhere in the Lexington area.
3: Yeah, thanks. It's uh, it's available at Amazon.com uh, either under the title or, or my name and. Um, Yeah, doing a couple of signings here. Uh, Morris Bookshop, which is a great independent uh, bookstore in Lexington, uh, doing one Saturday, April 26th. So uh, that's a week before the Derby, so it doesn't conflict with uh, Keeneland or the Derby. It's an off day, so to speak. So that'll be at 2 o'clock at Morris Bookshop on High Street and I can't make that up, John. It really is called High Street um, <laughs> in Lexington. <laughs> and uh, I'll also be uh, doing one at the uh, Farmer's Market in Lexington at the end of May. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty cool. We're we're getting it out there, and uh, it's been a really enjoy- what What's kind of interesting and terrifying is having to not only write the, these books, but, but try to market them. <laughs> so that's, that's kind of been a new experience, uh, trying to get through that.
1: Well, I hope the, uh, the 15 minutes we just spent together will help that. Uh, again, I'm going to uh, recommend this book highly. If, if you're the kind of guy that, that tunes into Winning Ponies, you are the kind of person, a uh, guy or gal, that is going to love Long Way From Home. But I will tell you it's a little bit PG-rated. I wouldn't leave it around for the little ones to pick up. So, <laughs> Lenny, thanks so much for spending time with us, and uh, I look forward to seeing you at a racetrack soon.
3: We will do that. Thanks a million, John, and uh, really appreciate it. All right. We've been talking with Lenny Shulman, the author of Long Way From Home, and, of course, you can see Lenny
1: on the Bloodhorse.com site. And now we're going to switch gears, and we're going to turn over to one of my favorite handicappers from the Daily Racing Form. It's Byron King. You're listening to Winning Ponies. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind.
0: No holds barred. They need a ass and then move oh, on. I just, and get I just ready think that the coach do. made a mistake. Oh, crazy. <laughs> NFL,
1: MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever
0: hold your mouth.
1: We ain't playing around here.
0: Voice America Sports. And they're off. What?
1: All right, and with me from the Daily Racing Forum is Byron King. I told you a little bit about him earlier in the show, and as you know, he's pretty much been a, a regular. I like to get him in the, the rotation. He has a great delivery. Uh, he obviously has great uh, columns uh, every week in the daily racing form, and certainly if you go on your website, he's often given out his best bet of the days, and I have to admit he has paid for more than one or two dinners of mine over the years, um, and especially the fact that he kind of, you know, zeroes in uh, on the Kentucky uh, circuit, uh, one that I'm very uh, familiar with, originally from Louisville, Kentucky himself. Uh, he also dabbles a little bit in the horse business uh, uh, as, as an owner and breeder, and uh, perhaps most importantly, right now he can add basketball coach to his resume. Coach King, how did things come out this season? <laughs> well, we ended up with two victories. I think we're two and
2: seven. Although I, I missed the last game, so technically uh, I guess it's two and six.
1: But you know it. Uh... Never a dull moment coaching nine-year-olds, that's for sure. So it was well, a lot. Of I, I apologize. It's probably because all the information I gave you that screwed your team up.
2: Well, you know, it was. Uh, we had a lot of fun with it, and uh, you know, it was. Uh, it was. It was a great experience. People got a big kick out of me because I, I was one of these coaches that carried a megaphone around shouting orders. Uh, so it was. Uh, I was pretty funny. Um, <clears throat> but anyway. I'm not usually
1: that way. (laughs) Well, I did it myself for 13 years, so uh, I I can appreciate it. You you meet some interesting people, and you really have fun, you know, with with, with the kids. And as a matter of fact, uh, one kid that was on one of my teams uh, uh, helped the team uh, win the NCAA game uh, today um, uh, from the University of Dayton. Upsetting wow. Ohio State University, so uh, wow, I, hope I had something that to is do with Pretty, the, uh, pretty
2: cool. I don't have any stories to trump that. I, I, I can just say that when I was a a college. Uh, a young college man at the University of Arizona. Um, I played in a few pickup games with some of the the, the team. Uh, I shouldn't say some, like one or two, you know, and uh, I went to block one of the forward shots, and all I managed to do was strike him in the head, which he was none too pleased about, uh, <laughs> but that was about as high as my hand could reach on him. So, um... <laughs> um but anyway, that was a long, long time ago, but you know, if the mighty Louisville Cardinals can't win the championship this year, I certainly hope the Arizona Wildcats
1: can. Well, well, I, I, again, I'm. I, uh, well, I hope your kids continue to, to blossom in the sport, and then that you stick with the coaching game. Well, like like I said, you know, I wasn't just blowing smoke. I, I really uh, enjoy your handicapping and your your insight into the game. Um, I know that we're going to look at at least two races uh, today in the in the Sundland Derby and the spiral that uh, are going to have derby implications. Uh, if you could, just spend a minute taking a step back. Uh, it's amazing uh, how we've um, perhaps lost some of the horses we expected to be the top horses in the derby. Um, who's kind of rising to the top, uh, in your opinion, before this week's races have been run?
2: Well, I think it's certainly um he's been inactive for a while but he's done nothing I guess by sake of inactivity, he's done nothing to hurt his chances and that's um Cairo Prince. Uh obviously he is on everyone's short list of top contenders, just has that wonderful style of just being able to stalk the pace. Um, you know, he doesn't have the dosage numbers for those that actually still pay attention to that. I I don't. Uh but um he does look like the real McCoy. California Chrome has been, uh, amazing, uh, out west, I think. And, and, you know, if he had not come from such a humble background of being, a, you know, a modestly bred cowbred and if he had been trained by Bafford or, or Zadler or somebody like that instead of, um, Sherman out west, I think he'd be much more of a, of a household name. Uh, obviously we've lost some like top billing and we've seen, you know, honor code was less than stellar in, in getting, um, solidly whipped, uh, by, um, um, blanking on his social inclusion, uh, in that comeback race and he's suddenly come on the scene, but, um, I don't know what my thoughts are on social inclusion. He's trying to play catch up so fast and, uh, it seems as if, the the owner of Social Inclusion is a little bit um, oh I don't know might have stars in his eyes a little bit so I, I just uh, I'm a little put off by uh, some of the vibes I get from him but that's a quick quick summary but there is always attrition in this in this you know these horses are you know they're they're fragile they can have things go wrong very easily and then you you know you have even minor things like a horse like Mexicoma who missed some time and now is being pointed for the Belmont. So you can go from something major like a, you know, a fracture like we had with Todd Billing to although he'll be back to the races to something minor that just literally if you just miss a little bit of time you can you're you're off the trail or or shared belief for that matter.
1: Ab- absolutely. Um I I agree I agree with you 100%. Well, um have you heard anything about uh the, the the sale of uh shared inclusion uh it
2: it it's i think it's social inclusion isn't it? i'm sorry I think socially, that's yes. what it is and it's shared belief and then i think it's uh but from what i've heard it was that the latest is and it's actually kind of a funny story. And for those of your your listeners that are on Twitter, he's on Twitter, too. If you look for Ronto's Racing, you'll find him. And um, it's just... Uh, but anyway, he tweets a lot in Spanish. And, um, you know, I was a decent student in school, but my Spanish expertise is not so good. So I've... Uh, through the miracle of Google, I'm able many times now to just plug in what he says and then put translate and you know give or take get a pretty rough um, uh, take on uh, what he uh, what he's saying. But anyway, what it seems like the latest is is I think he wants to sell after his next race, which is a dangerous thing because, yeah. um, as you mentioned, as a horse owner myself, I've been around this game a lot, and you always sell when you've got blue sky. You can't. And after you win by 11 lengths, and you beat Honor Code, the the, the favorite for the Kentucky Derby, what more in his next race could he possibly do that is going to elevate his value more than it currently is? Um, so uh, I think that's a mistake. I would have sold him. If I owned him myself, I would have sold him. But I think he wanted to retain a percentage and he wanted to keep his trainer, and the simple fact of the matter is most people that want to spend the kind of money that he was saying, which was something like $8 million or something, right? they want their own trainer, you know? I mean, if you're going to out that kind of money, you know, they want Todd Pletcher training it, or they want, you name it, Bob Baffert training it, and so... It's, it's a tough thing to, to put those kinds of demands on people, you know. I mean, if you look at another major sale, uh, if you talk about Rachel Alexandra, you know, when she was sold, you know, Hal Wiggins didn't get to keep training her, you know. It's, you know, when people spend that kind of money, they want their trainer of choice. And, um, uh, I think that's some of the things he's run into. But if that horse goes and loses his next race, you know, he's not an eight million dollar horse anymore. He's, uh,
1: you know, you'll be lucky to sell them for seven hundred and fifty thousand. You know, so right, exactly. You know, no, you know, he he'd be in just, a van with a new halter. The minute I got that phone call,
2: you—if five, eight million dollars, I would have said, "I love your horse, but see you later." <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> well, but you know, some, who uh... knows? Who knows all the things? But he's supposed to work Saturday or Monday. I believe is the latest uh, with the Florida Derby or the Wood Memorial being the. Races of
1: choice. Yeah, well, it'll be interesting to to, to see what happens. Uh, but I agree with you. You know that uh, the horse would have would have been gone. Well, listen, let's uh, let's uh, <clears throat> lean into your long suit first, and we'll start with the, the races in Kentucky. Um, we're starting with uh, what is known now as the Pure Romance Bourbonette Oaks, and uh, for people that. Um, are not from the Cincinnati area, uh, pure romance sells uh, shall we say uh, products that would enhance the time with you and a loved one so uh, it 's going to be very interesting to see if they 're going to be giving out uh, press goodie bags uh, at turfway on saturday
2: uh, yes, that would be that would be um, you know and i don 't think they 're talking about roses. <laughs> um, i at least i don't think they are uh no. so uh Anybody that wants to rather rather google pure romance and you'll i'm see, a little uh, i'm a little i will leave the googling of pure romance to you john um <laughs> um you know my my wife my wife by and and I, I yeah i will leave it to you to update me on 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 their 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 products
1: uh, well, if they are giving out goodie bags, I'll grab an extra one for you on Saturday. You never know; it could spice things up. But anyhow, the, the, the Bourbonette has produced some nice horses over the years. It's a flat mile. It's a Grade Three. Um, could have implications uh, in in the Kentucky Oaks. Uh, we bring together kind of an an interesting group of, of horses, but not many top stakes horses. And. and uh, There's two that kind of jump off the paper to me, um, perhaps three. But I would have to say Oriella's bell seems to have the class edge on this group, particularly that she's run very close races um, to only for you. Uh, who, uh, sad to say, is no longer with us, uh, but definitely was probably considered one of the top two favorites for the Kentucky Oaks. Uh, seems to be the class of the race. But then you got you got Jerry Hollendorfer, who's not afraid to ship in with a horse that's already won on Polly. Out on the West Coast, one of the many talented California breds we're seeing on the scene this year, both boys and girls in Swiss Lake Yodeler. And then uh, Johnny V comes to town uh, to ride a Pletcher trainee that's undefeated, that was odds-on in both of its races, Sloan Square. So while you don't have a slew of uh, graded stakes winners in here, you still have an interesting cast of characters. You do. And, and
2: to speak to the depth of the field, you know, here you mentioned three of the twelve competitors, and um you know, uh, I certainly view those horses as contenders too, but you didn't even mention the horse that, that I happen to like, which is uh, Shannon Nicole. Shannon Nicole is a horse who for her first six races of her career was managed as a turf horse. And then she ran in an off-the-turf race at the fairgrounds and won going away, a very impressive race. And then she ran in the Grade 3 Rachel Alexandra and was third. But that was an extraordinarily fast race, won by Untappable, who closed out as the Kentucky Oaks' favorite in the future wagering. And so this horse has now run two fire speed figures which of course are in the daily racing form in the low eighties and i think when you look at those and granted they were on dirt but when you couple that with the fact that she had run well previously on the turf i get the impression that she's the kind of horse that will adapt to synthetics She certainly handled the turf and the dirt so why not the synthetic too um... you throw in mike maker who of course has such a great history with horses on synthetic tracks and at Turfway Park, for that matter. And I think this horse is really live at 6 to 1, and um, that's where, if the odds stay to the morning line, that's where my money will be going.
1: Well, again, it's a very mixed bag. I mean, you've got horses coming in from from Gulfstream, uh, Santa Anita. Uh, You've got the the hometown horses uh, from Turfway. Uh, You've got horses coming in from Calder, Oaklawn Park, I mean uh, Remington Park. Uh, it, you could really find a price in here. Uh, like you yes, said, Shannon Nicole, and horses, I, don't, I don't have any eyes me. in front of me, uh, it, it is 6 to 1. Are, are they making Oriella's Bell the favorite? 4 to 1 on her and 3 to 1 on Sloan Square. Um,
2: so that's how they have uh, a Swiss Lake Yoler 5 to 1. Uh, I think you're going to get a price if you like any of the Turfway horses. There are huge numbers on the board, or along the morning line, and I think for all of us that that watched Turfway this winter, I mean, realistically, they they did not have a, um, a strong racing product in the allowance ranks, and and I, I just I'd be surprised if a local horse uh, gets it done. Uh, I think these kind of races historically are. You know, are won by shippers, uh, that are coming in. So, uh, I'd be surprised if they get it done. But as you mentioned, there are a huge number of unknowns in here. I mean, uh, real quickly, I'm gonna just add it up. One, two, three, uh, one, two, three, four. Five of the eight, if I counted real quickly, have not run on synthetics. So you have that great unknown. Right. You've got a horse, horse from parks. You've got horses stretching out. I think four of the eight are, are stretching out from sprints to the mile distance. So, I mean, really a lot of unknowns to decipher. So I would be very reluctant about taking a short price in that race uh, for betters. Um, You know, hopefully Shannon Nicole, the horse I like, sticks around her six to one because um, she, at least I know, can stay. She's a router. I think every one of her races, yes, every one of her races, have been routes. So that's not an issue. So the only issue is, you know, can she replicate her last two races that have been so good on the dirt on the poly track?
1: Well, like I said earlier, you, you've paid for more than one of my dinners, and that's why we have Byron King from the Daily Racing Forum with us on Winning Ponies. Uh, let's lead to the granddaddy of them all there in Florence, Kentucky, and that is the, the, the Spiral Stakes. This year it's the Horseshoe Casino Cincinnati Racing Spiral Stakes. Um, this race is kind of interesting. They'll be going a mile and an eighth. Of course, Animal Kingdom came out of this race, and um, again, it brings together horses from all over the the country, Um, I guess the the horse to lean to, and again, I don't have the odds in front of me, but, uh, you know, I, I'm guessing that uh is uh, probably going to be listed as the favorite Jerry Hollendorfer for Hall of Famer. Russell Bayes, who uh, is coming in with this horse after the win in the El Camino Real. Uh, this is a horse that ran behind California Chrome in the Cal Cup Derby. Um, looks to be A very strong horse, very interesting horse. He's got a ship and everything. But so many horses in here, Byron, seem to like to come from off the pace. Um, Do you think that Wayne Catalano holds a strong hand um, with two horses that have had preps over the track in Solitary Ranger, who's going to be the speed horse, and Poker Player, who I was very impressed with in the John Battaglia Memorial, uh, putting in a, a, a solid second against an amazing speed bias that day?
2: Well, you know, I,
1: for one, um,
2: I'm not a big supporter of... Uh, I generally like the out-of-towners coming in for this race. I think uh, historically they tend to do a little better, just uh, a little higher class of runner. Uh, I think I respect uh, Tamarando. I think he's he's a very intrigued. First of all, kudos to Turfway on this, and uh, it might have been a little bit of luck or the fact that some of these synthetic tracks are disappearing, but... They have two grade one winners in this field. Now, there aren't many derby preps that can boast having two grade one winners, the other being Lemus Artie, who won the Breeders Futurity. Um, Tamarando won the Del Mar Futurity. So they got two grade one winners, and usually when you have that, you have six horses in the lineup, and they've got 12. And quite honestly, they would have had 14 if they would have run as many as 14. So, um Kudos to them. I'd say it's quite a good race, but I think both Tamarando and We Miss Artie are here because of a little, uh, the synthetic. Uh, I think they've both shown an affinity for it, obviously, um, having won grade ones on it. Tamarando, uh, I think, is an intriguing horse. I was very impressed with his determination in winning the El Camino Real Derby, and um, that said, over the years, I think the El Camino Real Derby would fall on the lower end of the grade three spectrum. You know, uh, some of those horses just have not been real stellar stellar types, you know, and when they have gone on to do, do good things, they've generally done them on the turf. Um, now, in his case, he's a horse that runs well in the dirt, too, so I certainly respect him, but he's a come-from-behind closer, you know, going to be coming from way out of it uh um, if he's the favorite, I think I'm just fishing for a little more of a price and I like we um excuse me, uh We Miss Artie. We Miss Artie is a horse that I think is getting back on the right surface for him. He's a horse that I think and I think Ken Ramsey would be the first to admit it that he's had a little bit of the fever with him. He wants to be in the Derby, wants to be in the Breeders' Cup, that's the kind of guy he is. He's a he wants to be in the big events. But this horse, pardon me, (coughs) this horse is a horse whose better performances have come on the turf and the poly track. So they tried him in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile, and he was seventh. They tried him in the Fountain of Youth, and he was eighth. But when they ran him on the grass this winter at Gulfstream, he was a close second in a a very good comeback from uh, effort, and he won the Breeders' Futurity last year at Keeneland on the poly track. So I think this is a horse whose form is somewhat clouded, by the fact that he's made two of his last three starts on dirt, which is not his surface. So I think he can set a stalking trip, and I do think the pace will be honest because I, I think you've got a horse, solitary ranger, who is pretty much one dimensional, has to go, and almost famous, broke poorly last time out in the Fountain of Youth and pretty much lost all chance. And he's the kind of horse, looking at his form, that if he's not on the lead, he doesn't run well. Uh, so I think Calvin Burrell on him is going to have to get an alert start and going to have to put him in the race. So I don't really see them walking early. But I, uh, you know, I'm, I'm with you in that I don't see a, uh, a furious pace. But I, I think that it will be honest and
1: uh, should set up for we uh, miss Hardy. All right, well, listen, let's, let's, let's go out west to a slew of horses nominated the Triple Crown. My producer's telling me that I've only got about a minute left. So uh, in the Sunland Derby, just give me your top pick. Uh, I know that uh, that Baffert's uh, bringing in a couple horses. I just think he's bringing Midnight Hawk back a little too quick. Uh, I, I do like that sheet, too. I thought that was a good effort in the uh, Lewis. Uh, who do you like? And I got about 45 seconds to get your opinion. Well, I have to say with uh you know, we
2: do most of our handicapping 2 days out uh for the racing form so I've not yet fully handicapped the race. I'm calling up the PPs as we speak. But one thing I've learned about Baffert is Baffert runs them in these 3-year-old preps when they're towing them they're doing well. So, uh he ran back uh, opportunity uh I think it was 3 weeks or so rest last uh last week when he won the uh the race in Arkansas, so uh, my my pick would be Midnight Hawk in there. I just think that he's run against a higher class of horse.
1: Alright, well, we've been talking with Byron King from the Daily Racing Forum. Sorry to rush you on the last race, but I enjoyed listening to every word you had to say about the other two. So, uh, Byron, I really appreciate your participation with us on Winning Ponies, and uh, I look forward to seeing you at the races.
2: Yeah, I look forward to it, too,
1: John. It's always a pleasure,
2: my friend, and, and thanks for all you do promoting this great sport. You're like the the Joe Hirsch of, uh, of radio and
1: podcast. <laughs> Couldn't have a higher compliment. We have been talking with Byron King from the Daily Racing Forum. He covers the Kentucky scene. I want to thank Lenny Shulman. Don't forget, go out and get his book, Long Way From Home. It's an excellent one. So for uh, all my friends at Winning Ponies, I wish you the best of the luck. And Remember, when you go to the races, bet with your head, not over it.